Titan spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 214th annual Subliminal Session Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm my pal, Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Not doing too bad. So you mentioned you had something you wanted to talk about on uh, the beginning of today's episode. Oh, yeah. Really quick. Uh, we got a message from uh, one of the fans uh, basically saying it's from uh, our buddy Homer out there in uh, podcast world. But he was telling us that apparently there is a difference between like the ads you get from the app TikTok. Uh, it all depends on if you have an Apple phone or an Android phone. Supposedly, if you have an Apple phone, the ads are less targeted to what you were doing on the phone. It's something about uh, Androids being less secure, all that stuff. It could just be anti-Android propaganda. But, you know, yeah, who knows? I- he said he said that him and his girlfriend ran some kind of test. And, uh, but yeah, I guess, I mean, maybe see if it's out there. I still not going to use it. <laughs> well, I mean, Android allows third party applications. I iPhone does not. And obviously Google has its fingers wrapped around Android. So I mean, and Google oh, is about the most targeted ad fucking thing in existence. Yeah, I was going to say, I really uh, uh, hope everyone listened to it. Really good episode last week. Uh, right after we actually finished recording, uh, my my internet company uh, out here is Cox. They sent me an email claiming that they were giving me better internet for the same money, even though I'm pretty <laughs> sure they just unthrottled my internet. I got the internet I was supposed to get. I It was actually a joy editing last week because I barely cut out at all. So hopefully yeah. it, it keeps going this week. So we just got to keep talking shit about them and then they're listening and then they'll fix your internet. Yeah. Guaranteed. It's not because they got some kind of like fiber out here or something. (laughs) I live in (laughs) the not nice part of the not nice part of town. (laughs) Well, I wanted to talk about my what I did two nights ago on Monday. So uh, we went to a concert. One of our favorite bands was playing 200 stab wounds. If you're into metal, check them out. They're really good. Um, and then the headliner was Guar. Are you familiar with the band known as Guar? <laughs> yeah, they were. Uh, <laughs> of course I am. They were the favorites of uh, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. When, uh, Beavis and Butthead used to make fun of music videos. I'll tell you what. The music is pretty good. You know, not my generally I've got if they didn't have the theatrics at I don't know if I would see them or not, but the theatrics are, wow, crazy. They fucking decapitated Joe Biden. They ripped the <laughs> arms off of Vladimir Vladimir Putin. They disemboweled feet, like fucking things on stage. There was dicks everywhere. And the other thing is, dude, the entire show, they're pretty much spraying people with fake blood. I got a yeah. little bit on me. 
um, like on my hands and on my pants, my the people I was with decided to get as close to it as they could. I'm not kidding you. <laughs> they were covered head to toe in fucking fake blood. And of course, <laughs> I had to drive them home. So they get in my car, but luckily it dried and didn't get any stains on there. But, um, dude, after the show cleared out, the fucking floor looked like a murder scene. It literally just pools of blood everywhere. I got to say, it was a great time. Um, it's probably one of the wilder shows I've been to. We were literally <laughs> sitting uh, on these tables. There's a few tables there. We got up, and not even a second later, some chick went over there, just projectile vomited all over the table and shit, and then I saw security kicking her out. <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, it was a good time. It was really fun. And you go outside and like people are smoking and they're just fucking completely dyed red t-shirts now. That's just the color of your shirt now. Just like blood soaked people everywhere. Yeah, I got to ask if you still had the Audi TT, would you have like what would you have done? Would you have still given them a ride or Ooh. like maybe maybe ran to Walmart quick and grab some towels? <laughs> I don't know. I it was getting late at night, and I really just wanted to get home. So I probably would have let him in there. Just told them to stand there and wait till you got back. <laughs> Run home, grab sheets, come back, <laughs> put them in. You know, or give them money for a lift. Yeah. Well, when it's a work night and you're getting home at like twelve, twelve fifteen, and you got to be up in a few hours and. You know, some of uh, my friends had a little more to drink than others, and I don't know how they got to work the next day, but uh, <laughs> that is a warrior right there. Yeah, those. Uh, that's definitely a young person's game, is the uh, going out till midnight, you know, doing all sorts of whatever you're into, you know, uh, you know, drinking or, you know, other uh, other fun stuff, and then trying to get up in the morning. That's not for me. No, no, not my, uh, not this 30 year, 38 year old carcass that I'm fucking dragging <laughs> around. Hey, I'm as surprised as a uh, spring chicken, man. <laughs> you know, I will say this though, at the Guar show, you know, you had your typical metalheads there. I saw a, quite a few guys in like almost complete business casual there. I, they must just be like secret Guar fans or something. I don't know. <laughs> but they did not look like yeah, everybody else there. They just got done at their fucking shift at Mattress Firm and they went to the Guar <laughs> show. They, pro <laughs> <laughs> they probably did. But uh, but yeah, it was uh, a good time. I'll say this. If you want to just see the spectacle of Guar, it's worth it. I don't know. It must cost them so much to like have all these props. Like they have all these things set up. So like it kind of looks like they're tearing the skin off, you know, and then blood yeah. shoots out of it. I don't know <laughs> if th this thing like they have to buy a new one every time or what. But Jesus Christ, man, the theatrics were just incredible. The funny thing is you barely even mentioned that they played music. Yeah. Like there was all Joe Biden got his arms ripped off. Vladimir Putin got fucked in the ass and blood sprayed everywhere. Also, they played music. Yeah, too, I think <laughs> maybe I don't remember the music, but 
They literally, they literally be playing music, and then they have like a guy with a big ass sword, like cutting the arms off of Vladimir Putin. <laughs> and Putin had like ginormous uh, man boobies hanging down. I'm just like Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird. What? Well, well, we're running kind of long. We'll get back into it. But uh, I did watch this documentary on YouTube. It was about a rock band. Uh, a female rock band from England called rock bitch. And they would basically be in like costumes, you know, they would have a bunch of theatrics and stuff, but it, they were mostly naked. Like the bass player just came out there completely bare ass naked. And, <laughs> you know, they got banned. They went on an American tour. They got banned from all of these States. So they had to, <laughs> they basically had to like only go to like certain places, like pretty liberal places. Pretty much is the only way or place they could go but it just reminds me a little bit about that it is nice to know though that guar doesn't just have that shit in their music videos they also bring it to the stage yeah yeah they don't fuck around um yeah it's the naked group it always reminds me of red hot chili peppers because remember how they'd come out with like just socks over there sock on their dick yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i'm not that big of a fan of their music but i gotta say that's some that's some respect there yeah, they uh I don't know if anyone ever saw the show The Good Place. There's actually uh one of the questionnaires for if you get into heaven or not is if you've ever given any money to Red Hot Chili Peppers and it's an instant disqual- disqualifier. If you did. So if you gave if you paid money to see them in concert or bought any of their merchandise, it's it was pretty funny. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not important. Well, Phil, are you Ready to get into this week's episode? Yeah, let's hit it. All right. On this week's episode, we will once again be delving into another delectable tale of alien abduction. What makes this case particularly interesting is that it transpired in relatively recent history in the great city of New York City. Now, a lot of the alien abduction stories that we've told on this show... I find a narrative of trying to understand why the aliens are choosing this particular individual, right? A lot of times Mm -hmm. it'll be like it's for sexual things or pregnancy or whatever, but, you know, it just seems like a generic response. But this case, allegedly, now I'm going to say there's a lot of twists and turns and a lot of shit that doesn't particularly make sense, but according to the witnesses and those involved in the case, the aliens actually allegedly have a pretty big goal in mind. So they're not just kind of on a weekend trip to go see the fucking animals on Earth. No, all of us, uh, (laughs) all of us freaks out here, probe our assholes and everything. It's inner. You know how we talk about aliens and there's like speculation that the aliens are sending a message, but in the most roundabout dumb way when you could just lay it out in plain English, you know what I mean? I feel like that's the tale of this story. Mm, like they're prepping us for, for whatever their plans are in the future. Like like this. Like let's say an alien wanted to talk to you, so they mm. abduct me abduct me to talk about aliens to convince you they're real. Instead of just taking you. Yeah, I don't know about it's it's kind of funny, like the whole, you know, three or 40 chess or whatever yeah. there, you know, yeah. that whole situation where, you know, oh, 
you know, because they did this, now this and this get to happen, and it's all of these dominoes that fall into place. Um, it's really, I don't know, it's kind of like with the red strings, with conspiracies, you know. You claim that a story happened, and then all of a sudden you look for little things that happen outside of that, and you're like, oh no, that's a direct result of because of what happened before. I I called it when I called something similar to that happening, which is totally <laughs> mundane, that sort of thing. Right. Like they're they're like okay, McDonald's had a uh, kids meal, so they yep. knew that Burger King was eventually going to have a big kids meal. It's the cause mm. and effect here. You see, one <laughs> because one exists, the other must exist as well. Oh, definitely, yeah. Uh, the McRib came back this year. You see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> the reptilians in charge of McDonald's told me the McRib would come back this year. I, My God damn it. <laughs> I, I called John Edwards and he said the Shamrock Shake will be making an appearance in March sometime. That is what he told me. <laughs> I feel like he's on to something here. Definitely. It's usually a pretty good bet. So yeah. 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 Now, the woman we will be talking about today is named Linda Napolitano. Now, some refer to this case as either the Brooklyn Bridge abduction or, as some people like to say, the alien abduction of the century, which uh, I would say is, what do they call that? Attention grabbing, you know. It's a flashy little, headline. A little bit of hyperbole. Yeah, yeah. But I'll let you guys decide that at the end of this year. Now, as we've stayed on the show in the past many a times, uh, we'd like to kind of know about the person, know about their life, how old they are, all that jazz. But really, this woman is, for how big of a profile case this is, where's basically nothing. The most we know about her is... Ba uh, what involves the alien abduction? And that is, is that Linda, she has a job, she has a husband, she has children, and she lives in the lower east side of New York City. Now, I don't know where that is, but I think that's a nice place. Lower east side. Yeah, you always, um, you always hear in like TV shows, movies and everything that that's kind of where like the more expensive real estate is. Now, of course, everything in New York is expensive. So yeah. Yeah, I Lower East Side is where where the where the rivals of the main characters would always brag that they move to. Kind of deal. <laughs> yeah, like the uh, I I just always feel like it's like a, a, a stereotype for like the rich person. Oh, they live in an apartment on the Lower East Side. I don't know where that is. May, I think it's yeah. Manhattan. I think probably you're just trained to think that it's a good place. Like. Well, We've all been conditioned. Yeah, yeah. Well, someone from New York, you can uh, let us know if it is or is not, in fact, a nice place. Now That would be funny if it was a... T oh, I was going to say, that'd be funny if it was a joke, and it's just where the sewage happened to come. <laughs> it's where New Jersey <laughs> comes into play here. Um, <laughs> now, this entire the entire story kind of begins with a Professor Bud Hopkins... Whom's Wikipedia refers to him as a American artist, an author, and a ufologist. He was a prominent figure in alien abduction phenomena and UFO research. His main thing, like his main specialty, 
is alien abductions. That's like the type of ufology that he deals with. So keep that in mind. His interest, according to him, began after hearing Orson Welles' radio play, The War of the Worlds, in 1938 when he was seven years old. He said it scared him quite a bit. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that was big for a lot of people listening to that, especially anyone who came into it like a couple of minutes late. People who weren't carryovers from the last show. If you didn't hear the part where they introduced the kind of like the actors and the fact that they were doing a reading of, you know, this War of the Worlds and you came into it late and all you heard was the, basically the announcements that aliens were attacking out on the East Coast. Yeah, it freaked people the fuck out. Here's a question for you. Is Orson Welles the greatest horror writer because the book... 1984 still is terrifying a certain sect of humanity still to this day. I don't know about, did Orson Welles, did he actually write? Yeah, I'm pretty positive he did. Okay. Um, I thought he was just known for as being like a radio presenter. But um, yeah, a lot of a lot of people don't realize this. A lot of the great sci-fi movies from like the the nineties, two thousands were actually books from like pre nineteen fifty. Like a lot of Isaac Asimov's uh, books became uh, movies. You know, like Minority Reports. Uh, a lot of other movies too. So um, obviously, Battlefield Earth. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that also became a movie too. The Scientology uh, was masterpiece. A, yeah. The uh, John Travolta movie, yep. that one. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it was like, Every- what, half a million, half a billion dollars or something? Oh, it was way, <laughs> yeah, they uh, they lost their ass on that. Yeah. But uh, no, it was, so science fiction was like really big even before Cold War, so. Yeah, yeah, this is the good shit. We need more good sci-fi, man. Oh, definitely, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the, the crazy thing is a lot of the sci-fi that comes now, just like a lot of horror is just B-movies, crappy B-movies, like horror crap shows up on like Shudder and, you know, yeah. the the crappy yeah. sci-fi shows, they show up on the like the sci-fi channel or like on the free streaming apps. So, yeah, very true. Now, in 1964, Bud and a couple of friends allegedly saw a UFO flying around Cape Cod in Torrio, uh, Massachusetts, He was perplexed, and he decided he was going to go ahead and contact Otis Air National Guard Base. They gave him a generic military explanation, and from this point on, Bud was adamantly convinced that the government, moreover the military, was actually hiding the truth of what Bud and his friends had seen. Okay, interesting. So I'm I'm imagining you're going to get into what they saw, but... Is he calling, like, who is he calling? Um, is he calling the, is he calling the Air National Guard, like, base itself? Yeah. Or is he actually trying to get a hold of kind of like the higher ups, that sort of thing? I don't know. Um, okay. Actually, we're not going to talk about that anymore. But that was what <laughs> okay. he's, basically the thing is, is like, he had War of the Worlds, got him interested in UFOs, and then he saw something. And he tried to get a straight answer out of it. sounded like he contacted this base and they just told him, oh, there's nothing. Don't worry about it. And that's where he got into believing that the government knows more than they let on. 
Okay. Well, at least he kind of admitted that he's been into aliens since he was seven and not just claim that like, oh, I never even heard until this moment in 1964 and that's when i became <laughs> addicted you know yeah that's yeah that's when i got on board yeah <laughs> well let me like, oh really you believed in aliens before you saw one okay gotcha <laughs> <laughs> no i think he 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 was always down with the aliens um he's actually yeah. this is pretty interesting he's pretty involved with some of the big ufo groups too because bod would eventually go on to join the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomena, or NICAP, which I believe is defunct now. Um, he then went to work with the Mutual UFO Nor Network, or MUFON, which does still exist today. I know that for certain. Uh, eventually, it seemed Bud Hopkins would, like I mentioned, mostly be invested in discovering and finding out more about alien abduction cases, and he would work with According to him, over 300 people who had allegedly experienced an alien abduction and his thing was kind of figure out if what they're experiencing was actually an alien abduction or if it was whatever else happens to people where they think they had an alien abduction. I'm not really sure what this is. Now, the final thing about Bud Hopkins, and I think on sub D, this makes me a little worried and I think you're going to feel the same way, is Bud Hopkins became an author, okay? Of, yeah. We, of course he did. It's, it's honestly like, yeah. a, it's a stereotype, man. You don't say. An <laughs> author, really. <laughs> now, listen to some of these titles. I actually think he could work on maybe compressing the title of each book a little bit here. Um, he has some titles such as Missing Time, a documented study of UFO abductions. Or Intruders, the, <laughs> the Incredible Visitations of Copley Woods. Or Sacred Spaces, the Book of Temples slash the Book of Guardians slash the Book of Altars. So he, <laughs> <laughs> quite a mouthful for the titles there. Yeah, I'm hoping that the one, the, that the third one is actually a series of books. The Book of Temples, then there's also the Book of Guardians. And there's also the Book of Altars. Because if that was the title for just one book, his editor needs to get shot behind a fucking <laughs> shot behind the publisher's building. Because that's not good. You don't you don't let a book fucking get out with that title. It could, yeah, he could have probably just did the Book of Temples, Guardians, and Altars, not just. Uh, maybe it's a series though. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'd be curious what it's like to even read one of his books. Maybe it's fun. I don't know, but. Uh, he, uh, he will write a book about the incident we're about to talk to. Um, the reason that Bud Hopkins is important is because he's kind of intrinsically linked to Linda. So you got to know about him and then you're going to know about Linda, Linda's experience because they kind of go hand in hand. Okay, gotcha. I would say um, a lot of these UFO books that are... If you've never heard of them before, they're probably not that good. One of those situations. <laughs> if it's one of the ones where they get cited a lot in UFO documentaries or TV shows, that sort of thing. Um, kind of like Chariots of the Gods, that sort of. If you've, that one's um, like a big one that a lot of people have read. But a lot of these, not many people have read them. Or you have to be really like deep, deep into the community to have actually like, you know 
come across these books, that what, sort of thing. What's the other big one? On a Pale Horse or something like that? Yeah, there's a few really big ones that get cited quite a bit. Um, I would say that um, it is hard to get like books reprinted. Um, a lot of them do end up kind of like on the internet, just kind of floating around like, uh, you know, the Audible or PDF form, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. Now, the story of Linda Napolitano uh, all begins when she reads Bud Hopkins' book, Intruders, and kind of found that it it kind of, she resonated with it. She felt she could relate with it in some way. So in April of eight, 1989, Linda decides to write Bud Hopkins a letter kind of talking about something strange that he, she had experienced earlier in life. Uh, in the letter, she talked about how in 1976, she began to notice that she had a weird bump. Some say it's in her nose. Some say it's by her nose. I'm not exactly sure, but it kind of just appeared out of nowhere. Now, Linda claimed that when it appeared, she went to the doctor to get it checked out. And the doctor informed her that the only reason she would have this is because if she would have had some sort of nasal surgery um, that's why she would have gotten this little bump. But Linda said she had never had a nasal surgery and her mother reiterated that she had never had any sort of nasal procedure, not when she was a baby or anything like that. So it's kind of a bump that appeared out of nowhere. Okay. And this would have been before the days of cocaine. Yeah. So it's not like she was just, uh, <laughs> partying it up, uh, yeah. You think it's an old... 1976. So they, everyone was smoking weed back then. Yeah. But yeah. doing well, mushrooms Coke and shit. was on the horizon, though. Oh, yeah, definitely. It was uh, <laughs> It was on its way. If you've ever seen the movie Blow, uh, kind of, you know, came around that. He always kind of talks about, like, the days of, like, disco and cocaine. I don't know if it actually came in before 1976 or not, but it is kind of weird. Um it always does kind of start a story of not remembering the abduction, but you do have like uh, evidence, like markers of it, uh, either like strange bumps like she has or like incision marks, piercing marks, that kind of thing. Yeah, this is interesting and we'll kind of weed through it, but this is almost like the aliens mess with her and then they're going to really mess with her very soon. So it's like. Maybe an early abduction leading into a mass grand abduction. Okay, like a preliminary kind of, uh, <laughs> like a way, like, you know, dipping their toes in yeah. to see if uh, she's good for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it's really hard to find information if she had the bump and then it kind of disappeared, or if she has it this whole time, I'm not entirely sure. But when she contacted Bud, Bud kind of wanted to talk to her, ask her about the experience, kind of see if it actually had anything to do with aliens or not. Um, yeah. But Bud Hopkins actually ran, this is no joke, an alien abduction support group. And he would have Linda kind of sit in and she was supposed to talk about stuff with the group. But he found she kind of just sat there. Didn't really say much. She was just kind of listening to to what other people were saying. So she, at this point, I don't think it's kind of alluding to she doesn't, she thinks it's aliens, but she can't confirm it's aliens. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I kind of I don't like it when those types of people, uh, the people who are making money, like their income comes from abductee stories, UFOs, that sort of thing. I don't like it when they start like support groups or they kind of have groups of people who like maybe might be giving them ideas for like future books and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. You do. I guess you kind of see that a little bit, but um, yeah, it's I don't know. Um, was she like a shy person maybe, or did she like, was she just hesitant to kind of tell her story? Cause she was embarrassed by it. Maybe. Yeah, it could be. It, d- it doesn't. So I've noticed like, as far as web pages go, this story is kind of hard to find information on. I watched a kind of hard, boring docu hour long documentary about this that, Half mm. the documentary talked about other alien cases instead of this one. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't really know. It just said she sat there kind of passively, didn't really say a whole lot. Okay, gotcha. She was kind of feeling that out then. Yeah. I yeah. I feel like this story, and I don't want to give it away, but I feel like there's some groundwork that almost feels like someone who's finding out how to build a story. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's the first thing that I was thinking when she was, when you were saying that she was just sitting there kind of listening. She was kind of thinking like, how am I going to present this? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like one day I'm going to have <laughs> kind of like a comedian, like working on a new routine. They're not going to bust it out in front of people until it's at least like sort of stage ready. You yeah. Know? They can get yeah. feedback. Yeah. 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 And her shit's about to pop off, which I'm going to tell you about right now. And I'm I'm saying really pop off here. Okay. And we're going to jump to the night of November 30th, 1989, about seven months after Linda first wrote that letter to Bud Hopkins. And as I kind of alluded to, she's about to have one hell of a night. The story begins that You know, Linda had a pretty standard, uh, normal, I guess, American day. You go to work, you come home, you have supper with her family. Uh, She puts her kids to bed and then being exhausted, her and her husband just go to bed, preparing to do the exact same cycle the following day. Now, Linda claims at about three in the morning, she was awoken and she had that eerie feeling like something was just staring at her, like something at the end of her bed was just staring at her. Her eyes kind of darted all over the room, trying to see if she could spot what she, this presence that she's feeling. And it didn't take long before she spotted a very short being with a very large head and those black almond eyes just staring at her from the base of her bed. Hmm. I feel like so you I know, know what I'm going to say. Yes. Yep. I was thinking about the whole goddamn dime, Phil. <laughs> you already know what I'm going to say. So uh, about it was four weeks ago. I actually had sleep paralysis twice in one twice in one night. Oh, no. Um, yeah. No, it wasn't. Um, the first occurrence that day wasn't actually at night. You know, I'm a little bit of a narcoleptic type yeah, person. Yeah. I, uh, I pass out. I do pass out on the couch every once in a while. I'll take a little big boy nap. Um, I was watching something that I really, it was a, 
uh, something on Netflix that I really wanted to watch. So I didn't want to fall asleep. So when I kind of felt myself falling asleep, I started to get those early dream like hallucinations that you get when your yeah. eyes are closed and you start seeing things. Yeah. So I like forced myself to like open my eyes and like wake up so that I, you know, could not just fall asleep on the couch for like three hours and then have to go to bed right away. I open up my eyes and then like kind of the dream hallucination that I was having of a, it was a woman like, like I was just kind of like walking and there was a woman who was like kind of crossing my path, walking in front of me. I open up my eyes and she's standing right in front of my coffee table. She looks at me kind of like, Oh fuck. He caught me. And then she disappears like right in front of my eyes. Damn. Was, yeah. So that was the, that was the crazy thing that happened. It was like right after got home, turned on the fucking show and you know, that happened. Then later that night I was laying in bed and I felt something like punch me really hard, like in the back. And I knew I was having sleep paralysis. I just like, I kept my eyes closed and I kept thinking like, you'll be able to move in a little bit. You'll be able to move in a little bit. I didn't hear anything after that. And when I could finally like move around instead of like jumping up, cause I know that hurts me when I, when I jump up from a prone position. So I just kind of like rolled over when I could move and then just tried to go back to sleep as best I could. That sort of thing. So you definitely, you should be, this should give anybody with sleep paralysis some comfort because you're learning how to not go into full panic mode. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've had it a couple times now. So when I, I don't know why it happened that night. Cause I was, uh, no coffee, got to bed at a good time. Uh, you know, didn't really, didn't really do the bad stuff. Like, you know, watch, watch TV. Like when you watch, uh, like Instagram, when you're in bed, your, your brain doesn't quite shut down. Like it should that sort of thing. I went, you know, straight to bed, got straight to sleep, all of that stuff. And then that just sort of happens. Um, the, the getting punched part is, it's kind of like a, how did I, I read it before when you, when something hits you, when you're having sleep paralysis, when you get that feeling, it's kind of like a muscle spasm. Like that's where the, the pain and the pressure comes from. It's not a ghost actually hitting you or an alien or something like that. You know, obviously there was nothing that, that sort of thing. See that that's the one I get a lot. Like I get either like the feeling like I'm falling and I hit the ground and wake up or, uh, Sometimes my head will feel like I've heard of it before. It's like he exploding head syndrome where you're like, it almost feels like a gong goes off in your head. And then uh, you kind of like wake up real quick. Like you almost fall asleep and then you wake up within like two minutes and then it's like, yep. boom. But um, you know what I found out too real quick here before we continue on? When people have, we've talked so much about sleep paralysis and obviously all your stories. And when I hear people talk about having these experiences very similar to like what you talk about and you're like, oh, you should look into sleep paralysis. That's probably what's happening to you. They get very defensive that it's not a fucking ghost or something. They would rather. Yeah, that's the that's the weird thing, because you can tell you can tell right away when someone wants it to be a ghost. And when someone's desperately looking for it to not be a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. Like they desperately do not want there to actually be gremlins down on the floor, like trying to climb up onto their bed, that sort of thing. Um, but you can also really tell when someone, when they know, like they've told this story to people before 
And they probably thought, oh, this guy might be into the spooky. He might be into the paranormal. And then immediately you're like, sleep paralysis. And they're like, <laughs> no, it's not fucking sleep paralysis. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's like, well, the tone just changed quite a bit. What are you saying? For our fans out there, if you're trying to help a homie out, just be, be, be prepared for the fucking thorns to be coming out. I'm just just letting you know. I've had that I've had it happen a few times now. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Um it also too, some of those people never even experienced a ghost, alien, whatever, or sleep paralysis. They're just claiming. Remember that too. They True. might be just claiming that it's happening. True. Very, just for attention. Very, very true, Phil. Now, pretty high percentage of uh, high profile ones are, are just that. So, <laughs> well, let's see if Linda is. Well, like I said, we're leaving off. She sees the prototypical gray alien sitting at the edge of her bed. Uh, Linda, you know, kind of is becoming aware that this thing is not supposed to be in her room. So she becomes yep. frantic. And she claims she's like shaking her husband, trying to wake him up. But he's in such a deep slumber that no matter how much she shakes or yells at him, he will not get up. And soon, Linda, she's we've heard this before. She starts to feel like a telepathic message rumbling in her head, almost like this being is sending her a telepathic message. And that message that the alien says very clearly in her head is, Shut up. <laughs> a very eloquent alien. <laughs> yeah. I love I laughed so hard when I read that. I'm like, okay. He just told them to shut up. Maybe it's a New York alien. I don't know. A New York that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah. Is this is this a, is this a Brooklyn alien out there? <laughs> shut up, you, you dumb shut broad. Up. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you shut your fucking mouth? <laughs> That was my attempt at a New York accent. I hope you all enjoyed it. <laughs> it's funny because most of the time the alien's like, calm down, we're not going to hurt you. And this alien's just like, shut up. <laughs> and he does something else that might even lead further into the New York alien style here. Now, <laughs> bitch, you know why I'm here. You know what I want. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> now, after Linda hears the alien tell her to shut up, she's completely freaked out. She's yelling as hard as she can, begging for help, pleading for help. But almost as soon as she hears the words shut up, she found that almost out of nowhere, something's placed over her mouth and her eyes. And she says it's very similar to a white sheet. She finds herself falling back into the bed. Her body is now completely paralyzed and she kind of, she says basically once she's in the state of paralysis, the white sheet just dematerializes in front of her face. So it's almost like <laughs> I hate to say a um, what's that? What's the joke? You put the chemical on the rag, chloroform, almost like oh, a fucking chloroform. <laughs> chloroform rag over top of her here. And she basically says she's paralyzed. She can't do nothing, and all she can see is the bedroom window. And this is when a strange blue light begins to pour through said window. And once it hits her, she begins to levitate and it kind of forces her body into a fetal position, which I think is very interesting. Yeah. How many of those meetings had she gone to before? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know. A lot of tropes. A lot of tropes here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of those deals where when you get the backstory and hear that not only is she into aliens, she's already made contact and she's started to show up to meetings and everything. Um, if it was if it was one of those situations where it's just a housewife who, you know, live in the in the 80s kind of world's passing her by and she's never even heard of any of this stuff. You would think, oh, sleep paralysis. That's it. But you kind of also now knowing all that she she's kind of, you know, she's attached to this movement, let's say. It kind of sounds like she is making a nice goulash yeah. of uh, a lot of the stories she yeah. So yeah. I don't mean to poo-poo on every <laughs> alien story I hear, but it's it's kind of it's what easy I do. to poo-poo on them sometimes. Yeah, it definitely is. There's been a couple that we've done where it was like, holy shit, you know, that's crazy. Yeah. Like yeah. witnesses seen like the the really famous one of the lumberjacks where yeah. Travis basically Walton. the guy just disappeared, his watch was all off, everything. So Yeah. We gotta cover that one day. We have uh maybe we'll save that for a big like a uh a fifty or a hundred episode. I guess we'll well we're yeah, we'll be close to two fifty eventually. If we, uh, this probably another year away, but, uh, whatever. So continuing on here, she's sucked in the blue light. She's in the fetal position. And before long, she's kind of going through the window. And in a matter of, I'm guessing seconds, she's about 50 feet over the apartment building that she lives in. She claims she can see car headlights. She sees smoke rising from chimneys and she has a great view of the Brooklyn bridge. Also in the beam with her is the alien that was in the room, along with two additional gray aliens. Now, she keeps ascending into the sky until she reaches an oyster-shaped craft with blinking lights everywhere, kind of under what they I call the fuselage of the ship. And the door opens, she gets sucked right up into the guts of the ship, and once they're inside... The hatch slams, and according to her, the spaceship just kind of rapidly takes off into space. So it abducts her from her bedroom. She's in the ship. The ship just disappears into space. Yeah, kind of interesting. Uh, A potential of, what year, 1989? A potential of a few million uh, witnesses there. uh, It is 3 o'clock in the morning. So, I mean, there is that. But, I mean, just... When you kind of hear about um, people being abducted from, you know, in the middle of a city, it's always a little weird because you would think it would happen like out in the wilderness. And that's kind of where the people who have the UFO abduction stories, they're always living out, you know, in the middle of nowhere. Rural areas out on the farm. Yeah. That sort of thing. I will give her this, though, Phil. They have, I believe it was 21 people who claim to have witnessed this and. There is witnesses that are very pivotal to the story that we will talk about in a little bit here, if that gives any credence, but um, we'll kind of get there in a little bit here. But basically, Linda's in the ship. She claims that the first room she enters is completely white, just pure white, and they have benches that she claims are very similar to those found in Central Park, which is kind of interesting. But but she just keeps floating down a very long corridor and there's kind of doors just closing behind her as she continues on. 
until she finally reaches a room with an examination table and three gray aliens. As to be expected, Linda is placed upon said examination table. Linda's paralysis at this point uh, apparently is weakening a little bit. She claims she can't move her body, but she can move her face, her mouth, and, and her eyes. Um, and because of this, she starts yelling at the top of her lungs and she states that she's yelling and it's like the room is almost like so smooth that it's kind of just echoing everywhere, which is kind of interesting, especially if aliens talk telepathically, they probably would not be hearing an echo. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's, it's a pretty... Pretty all the common stuff to yeah. once she enters the yeah. ship. Yeah. Um. I was, I was thinking. Um. I don't know. Did she claim that the? So she's claiming that all of the noise that she made was echoing around the, not yeah. echoing like kind of in her head. No. That sort of thing. No. 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 Like her voice oh, okay. is hitting the walls, and she it's like echoing almost like you yell into a cave or something. Okay, because you did mention, like, exploding headset. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, no. Um, she claims she's yelling and can hear her own voice kind of reflecting off of the room. Okay, gotcha. Basically like that. But um, let me tell you about the uh, New York alien here. So <laughs> when she starts yelling, apparently this alien just puts her hand, his hand over her mouth and tries to shut her up that way. <laughs> 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 uh, but uh, Linda um, continues by saying the aliens kind of had this long pointed tool which she claims looked like a gun and whatever alien stuck it up her left nostril and she felt like a fire almost like a gun firing and it released something inside of her apparently after this happened within seconds Linda blacks out, and the next thing she realizes is she's being awoken in her bed, and it is now 5 a.m. Linda, at this point, initially, she believes this is nothing more than a very, very vivid, horrible dream that she had. But as the day kind of continues on, she has this like weird nagging feeling that it is more than a dream. But she also states that like the memories of it are slowly fading away. Okay. So she decides I better call Bud Hopkins, kind of tell him what this happened. And the reason we have this detailed of an account from Bud Hopkins is because she was losing memory of it, but they did several hypnotic regression therapy sessions and they kind of slowly piece this puzzle together if that makes sense so it wasn't initially like this this is after a whole bunch of regression hypnotic sessions that they extracted kind of the full story <laughs> so she didn't just immediately call him and say get out your bitch i got a story for you <laughs> that sort of thing no okay no <laughs> i will say so getting back to what you said like a uh, couple minutes ago where basically she started screaming and then the alien just like put its hand over her yeah. mouth, to shut her up. <laughs> yeah. It kind of sounds like that SNL sketch uh, Kate McKinnon did 
where she's with two people who had this really cool alien experience and she's just like with the C squad aliens and they're doing all the weird stuff. <laughs> it kind of sounds like that. Like she starts screaming the alien just like shut up, put its hands over her mouth. I don't remember that one, but uh, <laughs> it is very similar to this. Yeah, you should. It's, oh, it's fucking hilarious. You should find it. It's a classic uh, clip that they got rolling out there on YouTube. But okay. But, you know, leading back into this, um, I kind of I'm a little bit torn about the whole hypnotic regression, uh, hypnotherapy, you know, to try to get the story out of a person, out of a supposed abductee. Um, And, you know, one part of my brain, I kind of do believe that uh, hypnosis does work on some level. Uh, Also, though, I do believe that it might be. Um, the person giving hypnosis who's kind of like leading the story and it's not like you're completely out you are still supposedly like aware during hypnosis though i will say i've never been hypnotized so i have no idea how it actually works i do know that supposedly if you've been hypnotized before you can easily be hypnotized again but that also is just kind of a deal where the person doing the hypnosis if they ask if you've been hypnotized before and you say yes, and they'll know if it did work, they'll know that they can just easily kind of get you, you know, down, that sort of thing. That is a good point. I think you bring up a valid point because the more that we cover the these type of things, um, you kind of hear start to hear a lot more contradicting evidence to this being like a hundred percent proof positive that they are extracting the memories of what aliens or what have you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost, it's weird because like a story like this, I'm guessing that when she told the story, it wasn't really complete, but then Bud Hopkins during hypnosis, or if he had someone else doing the hypnosis, but I'm guessing that the hypnotizer wasn't really getting the story out as much as they were filling in the blanks. Like I'm guessing that I, I, this is just total me guessing, but I'm guessing that her rolling over and shaking her husband and trying to wake up her husband might have been a thing that was added later to yeah. legitimate le- give legitimacy to the story. Because right away in my mind, I hear that and I'm thinking like, oh, well, that's meant to either if I think it's sleep paralysis, I'm not going to think it's sleep paralysis anymore. Or I'm going to be thinking someone who is telling the story knows about sleep paralysis, that sort of because she wasn't she wasn't paralyzed until later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. That is a good point. Um, I've actually really thought about just putting a whole episode together, just strictly focusing on, you know, this regressive hypnosis and kind of looking at just like if it should really be trusted, you know what I mean? Like, I think that'd be a perfect sub D episode. Just we'll give our complete opinion. Maybe in the future, I'll put that one together. And then we might discover something that it's really good or really bad. I don't know. But with this here, it's kind of a gray area, I think is basically what Phil's saying. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It, I mean, it either, it depends on what your beliefs, if you hear hypnosis, you either totally believe it or you're totally against it. You know, yeah, the, the yeah. great, like the gray area, I guess, would be it happening at all. It, it always happens um, with, you know, kind of like when the big time investigators get involved, they're always going to jump towards hypnosis. Yeah, yeah, 
Very true. Very, very true. Well, okay. Now, this part of the story um, is going to get a little stranger. Um, this Actually, I got to say, this gets a, a, a lot stranger. But uh, continuing on here. Now, this happened in 1989. In February of 1991, about 15 months after Linda had her alien abduction, um, by this time, pretty much all the memories allegedly had been extracted from the you know, hypnosis sessions, and Bob uh, Bud Hopkins, out of the blue, receives a mysterious letter from two policemen named Richard and Dan. In the letter, the police officers state that they were in the area when the alien abduction took place at around 3 a.m. and had witnessed a reddish-orange object floating in the sky that had green flickering lights around the craft's fuselage. Additionally, according to them, they saw a woman and three greys floating in the sky and they watched the craft zoom off into space at a high rate of speed. So basically, they are saying that from an outsider's perspective, they watched this all happen, like kind of all unfold. Okay. Got a lot to unpack with that, yeah. that uh, yeah. paragraph there. First of all, um, the legitimacy of Richard and Dan was the letter written in like a man's handwriting, two men's handwriting, or possibly a woman's handwriting. <laughs> um, did he ever, well, well, maybe we'll get into it a little bit later. Um, that seems like something, though, that you would either call in or put in your log or something like that. You know, here's the thing. Maybe I'll, I'll have to continue on because the story of Richard and Don or Dan uh, gets a lot deeper, a lot deeper. OK, gotcha. So is it is it confirmed that they are two real people? Yes, according to Bud Hopkins and Linda. OK, gotcha. So they're actually like two men that he's actually met. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly, okay. allegedly, allegedly, because right away in my mind, it kind of you get that feeling. You mentioned like after all of Linda's, you know, regressed memories have been extracted and after the cases started to go cold a little bit, all of a sudden two wild card cop witnesses <laughs> come out. They're cops, so they're legitimate, that sort of thing. You Here, know. Here's what I'll say. I shouldn't say I think they never met or Bud never meets them, but Linda meets them, allegedly. Okay. But yep, Bud gotcha. gets the letter. Yeah. So well, can, let me continue on here. So, okay. Basically, this story is falling apart. It's Linda's, Linda. Yeah, it's. Uh, trust I, me. I, trust me. It, it gets <laughs> weird here. So, okay. Basically, in this letter, the police officers basically state that they're very concerned about Linda's safety and they want to talk to her and kind of make sure she's doing okay. Uh, Bud claims that he contacted Linda and said she could possibly expect police officers to come to her home and talk to her. Um, and according to the documentary, the police officers did in fact go to Linda's apartment and talk with her. Uh, a, a, according to the documentary, when Dan laid his eyes on Linda, he just burst into tears crying and there's no real reason why he just started crying but overall, they said 
it the three of them just kind of talked about uh, what they had all experienced on this night kind of from different perspectives and then they left and that was about it just they just got together and just kind of talked about everything so right now pretty calm <laughs> yeah it kind of a little bit in that kind of reminds me of when Trump used to tell a story during his speeches. <laughs> he would talk about the big burly guy meeting him with tears in his eyes. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. A big burly guy. Tears in his eyes. Gives me a slop. Gives, gives me a hug and messes up my suit with all of his sloppy tears. He's he's so happy and so awestruck in front of me. That sort of thing. <laughs> tears in his eyes, I say. Well, I- <laughs> <laughs> let me get, let me continue on here because the story starts to get kind of dark. Um, okay. <laughs> it starts off kind of, you know, seemingly normal, but it's going to get really, really dark here in a second. Um, basically, the story continues on that Bud would receive another letter from just Richard this time, about a few weeks after the first letter. Um, apparently Richard is very concerned about his partner, Dan, because Dan has become exceedingly obsessed with Linda and apparently he is actively stalking her apartment complex on a daily basis. And this is confirmed by Linda that this man is sitting outside her apartment every day. Then a third letter appears from Richard uh, fr- uh, from Richard to Bud, the letter stated that Richard and Dan were going to be open and admit they are not actually police officers, and instead they're actually security guards who were transporting a exceedingly Im- influential politician. And on this night of the alien abduction, the three of them all witnessed kind of everything that had happened, but Richard and Dan couldn't let it be known that there was this influential politician in the car with them. Okay. Gotcha. So I don't know if you ever, what was your experience watching the show catfish? (laughs) Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild. She might be the alpha catfish. She might be the original, the original catfish. There were some catfish in that show who would not only, you know, catfish their victim with just one person, they would be other people's profiles as well, like trying to legitimize the, you know, this, the, this, the, the main protagonist of this, this con, the scam, they would have ancillary characters out there trying to come up with bigger and bigger stories, legitimizing them. Then they would also come up with characters and profiles to legitimize the legitimizers, that sort of thing. Um, and the story just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. You know, weirder yeah. and weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I could see that. I could see that yeah. here. Um, well, I'm going to continue on here now. This is okay. going to take a bit of explanation because it didn't write everything down just because of it gets really weird. So allegedly, um, kind of after this point, Richard and Dan... Uh, somewhat kidnapped, just straight up kidnapped Linda on two separate occasions. Uh, apparently the first time they held her in their car and interrogated her for three hours 
which included they forced her to remove her shoes <laughs> to make sure she didn't have alien feet. And then kind okay. of the second time that they kidnapped her, Dan was becoming like increasingly obsessed with Linda to the point where he was having violent fantasies about her. And one of them says he was uh, in the documentary. It doesn't out and out say it, but it's almost like he was going to kidnap rape and killer. Um, okay. Which I is, you know, pretty dark, but Linda gets away. Uh, and eventually Dan is locked up in a hospital for the mentally ill. And according to bud, He's researching kind of the license plates of the cars that Linda is getting abducted in. And he finds out the license plates are actually attached to the CIA, meaning these two are actually CIA agents. Okay, so his actual researchers are finding out that the license plates she gives belong to CIA kind of like cover vehicles. Yes. Transports. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. So it's it's not her saying, and I found out that the CIA. No, that sort of thing. No. Okay. This gotcha. is this is Bud, um, getting the license plate because they drove a red Jaguar, I guess, and they got the license plate for this red Jaguar, and it's attached to a CIA government agency. Okay, or maybe MI six. <laughs> little James Bond you, okay, shit going on there okay. with the Jaguar. Would the CIA uh, <laughs> would the CIA have their agents transport a big name politician, which I will tell you who this politician is in a minute here. Oh, um would the CIA maybe the FBI, um Secret Service though at this time, it depends on how big. Obviously Secret Service is going to protect, you know, president, vice president, the families. Um God, what would they? I'll just say I don't. I mean, it's an international politician. Oh, possibly, maybe. Um, interesting. Uh, yeah, maybe the FBI. Um, I don't know about the CIA. Not really. Um, not really their gig, unless the unless it was an asset. You know that sort of situation. Well, uh, let me tell you about this guy here. Okay, so. Okay. Kind of after all this, the Richard and Dan, they kind of disappear from the scene. Um, and Linda claims that kind of after this, she's continuously seeing men in black suits just kind of like popping up in her day to day life, as well as like black, blacked out vehicles, just kind of parking always in her vicinity, which leads her to believe that she's actually being watched at all times. And then Bud Hopkins receives a letter from an alleged third man and Bud is pretty certain this is a letter from the politician that was in the car with Richard and Dan. He believes he's the third man and apparently he did, he was kind of doing research on his own to kind of see if he could figure out who this guy is. And Bud Hopkins is almost positive that the politician that was being transported was Javier Perez de so you are, I believe that's how you say his name, who was at the time the secretary general of the United Nations. So I don't know how big of a politician that is. Do you know? Secretary general of the United Nations. So, God, I remember when I was a kid, it was Kofi Annan. 
um during what was this the, the 90s Eight, you gotta remember 80 89 well this is like 13 months after 89 so this no, is no, in no. the early 90s no this is 89 because this politician is in the car oh seeing gotcha. the yeah he's it's in 89 in new york city um okay i mean they are they're kind of whenever there's like a big international kind of like crisis or there's about to be a war, they do usually wheel out the United Nations guy. Um, they're not, I, I don't even know who it is nowadays, but I don't watch the news anymore. Maybe <laughs> they're talking about, you know, the, <laughs> the stuff that's happening in Ukraine and yeah. Russia, that yeah. sort of thing. Um, I mean, maybe, yeah. Uh, back, back during the cold war days, they might've been a bigger deal, that sort of thing. Also, there was a lot of shit happening. Um, during the 80s, there was a lot of proxy wars and shit, too. So they would have been on the news quite a bit, I'm guessing. Yeah. It's funny you've brought up the Cold War twice because that is about to come up here in one second. So in this letter from the third man, he he kind of is giving Bud Hopkins some kind of ominous warnings. Like he needs to stop digging deeper into the case of Linda Napolitano um, because it literally just says, for the sake of planet Earth. It's very vague. Uh, the third man is very worried about the ecological danger the Earth is facing, and that the really powerful men who actually run the world, you know, behind the scenes, are very worried about people figuring out something. And also, it alludes to the fact that alien forces were used to help end the Cold War which is kind of interesting. And basically the end of this letter from the third man states that if Bud does not quit researching, it could undermine the foundations of life itself on planet Earth. I don't know what that means, but apparently it's a very ominous warning. Wow. Linda is really important. So, yeah. Isn't she? Is yeah. Maybe the most important person on Earth? That's weird. <laughs> you never hear so, that in alien abduction stories, that someone's important, or that the the world's ecological shit's about to come to an end. <laughs> so here's what it, it, it kind of alludes to um, okay. in two facets here, that either Linda and these three men had been abducted in the 70s when she had the bump on her nose. That's why they kind of like kind of know each other, but don't. Or Bud kind of believes that the aliens abducted Linda to get the attention of the politician who just so happened to be crossing that area at that time in the morning. Gotcha. See, that's what I mean. You see the roundabout way of getting this politician's attention. Yeah. Um, It is interesting how the witness are more important. Um, throughout yeah. The, yeah. the the telling of this kind of deal. Um, but yeah, I, I see what you mean now about like using these little like the domino effect or the, yeah. not the domino, but you kind of um, are making things happen so that someone important sees it and um, sending a message without sending it directly to them. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, does he have any, I guess we would have to hear what kind of proof he has that it's this um, Javier, Javier Perez de Cuellar person. Um, 
it's it i don't know like trying to think of what kind of proof you would get that it's actually him right well could he see that this guy was in new york city on this particular day and maybe in the vicinity well the un is in new york city okay i i don't know maybe he found out he was being moved somewhere i i don't know possibly yeah i do know they united nations building um they obviously if he figured out that the un was in session that day he would know that the secretary general would be there so possibly it's that it to me it sounds like if he found out it was this guy or he's pretty sure it's this guy it's kind of alluding to the fact that this guy and moreover the shadow people who run the world um had know about the aliens Oh my god, I almost forgot about I almost forgot about are the people in black suits supposed to be men in black? Yeah. Oh okay. I think so. gotcha. Either men in black or just like government uh, you know, the three letter agency people. Oh, alphabet soup men. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah, the cover up uh the cover up boys out yeah. there. Yeah. It is yeah, uh the big one now is uh black helicopters. That's ah, the uh, that's what you see okay. now, right after a UFO kind of sighting or abduction is oh there's black helicopters everywhere that sort of thing. Um, okay. All right. Yeah, it's I don't know. I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out in my head is Bud Hopkins is he kind of did he hear the story from Linda and now he's like kind of trying to. Um, prop up the pages of a book that he's wanting to write is it linda kind of feeding him all of this stuff like blowing up the story more and more to try to legitimize it like oh that's too crazy for a simple human like me to make up who's also the most important person on earth <laughs> or are they collaborating or feeding off each other that i sort of thing. see this is happening to them both simultaneously according to yeah. linda and according to bud Bud gets these letters, things happen to Linda, Linda tells him about these things, Bud gets more letters, it's kind of like a, I don't know, kind of building, kind of, hap I guess, happening to both of them, mostly happening okay. to her, is, but kind of happening to him too. Is Bud seen any of these uh, shadowy characters? These, I don't uh, believe so. The men so. in the, the suits and the cars? He's not seen it. Okay. I gotcha. don't believe so. Yeah. So it's just... One of the most important men in the in the world harassing him via letter. It's not actually him getting, you know, any foot soldiers bothering he's him. He's not really harassing him. He's just sending him a letter that he's got to be careful about how far he pushes this thing. Okay, gotcha. You know, but. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, I said, it gets a little weird here. And we got a lot of characters, a lot of uh, people involved in the story. <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's the weird thing is immediately my bullshit sensor was was fired off. But now, you know, that sensor's starting to get a little bit dull and my brain's thinking like, is is this too crazy to <laughs> is this too crazy to be just complete bullshit? Like is there actually any kind of like real truth? It's kind of coming together. And the fact that like, you know, Linda and Bud are kind of you know, both getting weird shit and Bud's people figured out that the CIA was, you know, 
the owner of the license plate. It's all kind of like coming together in a weird way. Yeah. Yeah. Some, I mean, I, I'm not really sure. Um, let me tell you about the last part here and see if this kind of wavers you at all. So, okay. uh, um, the kind of the last big thing is the unanswered question about the bump on Linda's nose. Now, if we believe the bump was there in the 70s, then all this happened and they fired something in her nose, kind of what it sounds like here. Maybe they're putting something back. I don't know. But at some point, I'm not sure exactly when this happened, but Linda eventually went to have an x-ray performed by a doctor who was a friend of hers. Apparently, the doctor must have looked at the x-rays. He went to Linda's home, just gave her the x-rays, and then left without saying anything about what was on said x-rays. I don't know. I think it's kind of alluding to he freaked him out a little bit or something. So, So then Linda gives the x-rays to Bud to take a look at him, and Bud contacts a neurosurgeon friend of his to who's expert here and kind of get his opinion on him. Now, the neurosurgeon was completely baffled by the x-rays, stating that Linda had an abnormal foreign object that was in her face, basically, that could have only got there by being artificially implanted, causing said bump. Now, the object on the x-rays was six millimeters long with two curly wires on each end of it. Interesting. She got chipped. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> sounds like. RFID chip. It's co- it's uh, COVID G5. 5G, I should even say. <laughs> 5G. <laughs> it's been so long since I've even heard that. I got it confused there. But, um, so yeah. This did happen in the 90s. It might be G1 at this point. True. But, very true. <laughs> I Here's the thing. I'm thinking, okay, let's just suspend disbelief. And what even would they be putting in her face that looks like this? Um, God, some people claim it's like little transmitters, uh, little location devices so that they can figure out where the person is and, and pick them up whenever they want. Um, you know, it might be kind of like uh, how we tag cats and dogs now with the yeah. little um, the little RFID uh, locator tag. So whenever you basically... It's one of the deals where it's, it doesn't have a battery inside of it. Kind of like how your credit card um, chip works whenever you do the tap. So you're not actually like the, the chip doesn't have any power to it. It's the reader that gives the chip power so it could read its information. One of those situations. Oh. So you're not putting out like transmissions, that sort of thing. But there might be information on it that they can like, you know, figure out just from from you know, reading your tag, that sort of deal. There's a lot of different kind of explanations or thoughts what these might be. I mean, I guess if it was a transmitter of some kind, it would explain the wires, the little curly wires. Yeah. So I don't know. But again, unfortunately, this implant kind of has an excuse why it does not exist, right? So more or less what happened is... The neurosurgeon saw the examination or saw the x-rays and he wanted to remove it to kind of examine what was going on. Well, apparently 
a few weeks after the x-ray was examined by the neurosurgeon, I assume the story goes they were planning some sort of a surgery or something. Apparently, Linda woke up one morning and found that her face and her pillow were just covered in blood and subsequent x-rays after this happened revealed that the object was completely gone from her body. Okay. And also the x-rays disappeared. (laughs) I don't know about that one, but they didn't have any (laughs) pictures of them. (laughs) You would think that this would be a famous case and that we would have seen these x-rays, that sort of thing. Yeah. 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 We maybe maybe, (laughs) we've looked into a couple of these. We might have seen them before. Maybe the UN guy got a hold of them and uh, hit them. Possibly, yeah. They, he, uh, he had his, uh, his, his little helper, CIA agents, go in there and get it. <laughs> um, it is always, yeah. It's kind of convenient that, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's the problem with these things. There's always like an excuse why there's not proof. Yeah. Well, it's one of those deals where. Remember when we went to Tombstone and um, the lady who was doing the tour showed us all the pictures of the. Um, in the in inside of the theater and like the pictures of ghosts were the most vivid pictures of ghosts you've ever seen in your life. And one woman who is taking the tour with us said, my God, those are the most vivid pictures of ghosts I've ever seen. How come I've, how come I've never seen these before? How come I'm not seeing these on TV? And everyone just kind of looked around like, well, because they're fake, you know, <laughs> one of those deals. Yeah. 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 It's uh if even, if even one of those pictures was real, that would be that would have its own fucking like night on Sci-Fi Channel of them like running around the place. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's very true, Phil. That is a good point. Um, I think the paranormal thing to give to just give a little devil's advocate here. I feel like mm. the paranormal stuff, pictures, videos. It's very niche about who cares about it. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, one of my favorite shows, okay, is Paranormal Witness or Paranormal Caught on Camera, okay? It's on Travel Channel. It's nothing but like almost YouTube videos of paranormal shit happening. And some of this stuff is like really crazy when you're watching. You're like, oh, I ain't seen this anywhere else. Well, I feel like only a certain sect of people actually care about watching these things. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you do see quite a bit like scrolling through Instagram of these paranormal videos, but it's always that deal where the camera starts to shake really bad right before something happens or the picture gets really fuzzy in certain areas right before the paranormal weird shit happens. Yeah. So it's always, you always like the problem is, if they turn the comment section off, you know it's 100% bullshit. <laughs> That's the, yeah. the best tell for yeah. that is yeah. no comments, please. Yeah, that's that's a very, very valid point. Um, yeah, your expertise in Photoshop is not needed, sir. Thank you. <laughs> not that I'm an expert in Photoshop. I'm saying people who are would comment. They always claim to be an expert in Photoshop. Yeah. They're also full of shit. Yeah, so. yeah. That is very true. Um, Well, I'm going to close out the episode here. Uh, So in 1996, Bud Hopkins, along with the help of Linda Napolitano, released the book Witnessed, 
the true story of the Brooklyn Bridge UFO abductions. So they released a book, you know, what is seven years kind of after everything happened. So I'm not really sure what to make of this. It's it's almost a story that's far beyond just a simply alien abduction. There's just like kind of a whole bunch of shit that happens. Um, I know Bud Hopkins is dead. I'm pretty sure Linda's dead. And I would assume the UN Security General Javier is probably dead too. Oh, I imagine if he was uh, if he was that deep in the shit that he's having to personally write a letter to a UFO investigator telling him to back off. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it is. It's great that uh, you know Linda's stories was good enough that uh, she could get the rub there, uh, writing a book along with the old Bud Hopkins. Um, it's surprised. I mean, it. I, I just keep going back to the thought of like catfish, where yeah. yeah, you know. But I mean, he was kind of equally either playing along or helping along that sort of thing. This story. So, I think he definitely saw dollar signs in it, and that would have motivated him to kind of you know make up his own little if if this story is made up seeing the dollar signs of a story this good, he could have helped her fill in the blanks knowing what needed to be put in there. Not only to help along the story, but to kind of legitimize it as well. Like he claims that, oh, it was me actually who, um, what did he do? He had the license plate research and found out that it was a CIA. He had his neurosurgeon uh, colleague friend type person look at the look at the x-rays and determine it was this object, you know, blah, blah, blah. He kind of, where he needs to, he jumps in and, you know, he's a helpful narrator sort of situation. Yeah, that's a good point. So from what I'm getting from your end is you're not buying this story. No, no, I'm, okay. I'm really, I'm not. Um, <laughs> okay. it's, it's the same thing too. I said it at the, at the, of her story was um, you always kind of hear it's not like these people you know didn't really care about aliens out of the blue you know it happened and then all of a sudden uh, somebody told me I should see this person I saw them and now I'm kind of in the center of this weird thing it's always yeah I was really into UFOs ever since I was a kid and then this weird thing happened and I decided to call up the most famous UFO investigator you know that sort of deal I actually think um, from researching, right, um, many episodes, we're on 214 now. The thing, the pattern I have noticed is when it comes to aliens specifically, when a certain incident, people don't believe it quite much or just aren't really sold on it usually are the ones where you got to look on like page three of Google. Um, They're the ones that like not a lot of people are talking about. And Mm. that is definitely the case with this. If you type in Betty and Barney Hill, you're going to have a thousand Google pages about it. This one is hard to find a single web page that talks about it. Yeah. If you type in Betty and the letter B, you're going to get, all sorts of <laughs> you're going to get thousands of pages of of you know articles videos links documentaries all of that stuff um yeah this one i've never heard of yeah so, yeah i can see what you're saying about people maybe 
not pushing this one quite as well. Yeah. But I mean, Betty and Barney, that's like kind of the, uh, not the not the originator of the kind of like the UFO abduction, but it kind of brought it into the forefront. So yeah, it's a sacred cow, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely like the holy grail. I think mm. of alien abductions. Yeah, I don't know about um, evidence wise if it's the holy grail, but I do know it's a um, it's a lot of play. Yeah, so, yeah, this one though, never heard of it before. No. And when you call something the alien abduction of the century, um, you think it would have a little bit more coverage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, especially when it's you're the one calling it the the abduction of the century, like while you're trying to profit off of it. It's kind of like the British calling uh, the Pharaoh Tut. King Tut, after they found his tomb, they would call him like King of Kings and the greatest Egyptian pharaoh, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Turns out he was a nobody who barely even had a reign. (laughs) You know, he had a regent most likely ruling for him. But since they found his tomb, his tomb was the most intact that they had ever found. Basically, they claimed like, oh, he's the the King of Kings. Come see the exhibit at the British Museums, the King of Kings, that sort of thing. So, yeah, if you have a profit motive, you often will kind of stretch it a little. So always be selling, man. Always be selling. (laughs) Definitely capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, if you want to contact us about this case or any other cases, where can they do that, Phil? Well, you can send your hate mail straight to (laughs) subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. We love all the messages. I get messages from everybody. Uh, You know, if you want to be like our buddy Homer out there and send us a message on Instagram, it is subliminal deception podcast on IG. Also a great way to get a hold of us, probably an even better way to get a hold of us. Um, Really? We, that email has been up for about three or four years. You can imagine how much junk email we get, how many, uh, you know, those podcast uh, influencer type generator people. We get those all the time. So probably the Instagram is actually better. Uh, Cody also has an Instagram. What is that, Cody? Yeah, you can find me at Cody's above. Give me a follow. Send me a message if you'd like. I will get back to you eventually as long as it uh, is a nice message. But the last, <laughs> last thing we ask you guys to do is log on to iTunes. I'll leave a show a five-star review. Doesn't particularly matter what you say. Just uh Click five stars, type something in the box, hit submit. We greatly appreciate everyone who's taken the dime to do that for us. If you're a Spotify listener, it's even easier. You just hit five stars, hit submit, and that's all you got to do. It's nice and easy. Um, Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed a little alien action. Uh, It's Alien abductions is some of my favorite subjects to cover, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.